0: Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries of First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org.
1: I want to join with those that have welcomed you already. My name is Pastor Michelle Morris. It is a joy to be worshiping with you today. We are Really kicking off this series Bentonville first um, in which we're looking at different aspects of community life And we're starting today with a look at our nonprofit work here in this community And the hope is to inspire us to step into the miracles that God is putting before us So to get us in that frame of mind Hear these words from the gospel of Mark chapter 10 verses 17 to 31 As Jesus continued down the road, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, Why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he responded, I've kept all of these things since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you are lacking one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. Looking around, Jesus said to his disciples, it will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. His words startled the disciples, so Jesus told them again, Children, it's difficult to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. They were shocked even more and said to each other, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them carefully and said, It's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. Peter said to him, Look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, I assure you that anyone who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children or farms because of me and because of the good news will receive 100 times as much now in this life, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and farms with harassment and in the coming age, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. This is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. This passage haunts me. Now, why would I pick this passage to preach on if it haunts me, right? Well, I'll give you a little bit of background on how Andrea and I uh, figured out how to preach uh, this series. We knew we wanted to look at who Bentonville is in light of what we've all been through together through this pandemic, but we could have picked any number of different aspects of community life to focus on. So what we did was we went to the lectionary. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with what the lectionary is, it is an agreed upon set of passages that, that several denominations have agreed upon. And um, it basically, over the course of three years, will allow you to study and preach the entire Bible for the most part. There's a few passages left out, but the entire Bible over the course of three years. And there is some, some usefulness to going to that and, and seeing how the Spirit's moving. And as we, we read through the lectionary of preparing this, this series, this particular one spoke to us to, to think about, well, we could look at, at the nonprofit work and the work that's done for the poor and the vulnerable among us and so we picked it and that was great and then the day came when i had to preach on it and i will tell you that that this is a passage that the spirit has a hold of me and won't let me go and i will tell you that it it disturbs me it makes me very uncomfortable it makes me so uncomfortable that i have done the work to make it more comfortable so I could stand up here and tell you that if you go to Jerusalem, you can see the eye of the needle. It is, um, they, when Jerusalem was under threat, they would close off most of the gates and they would open only this one smaller gate where they could control who came in and they could watch and, and it was an act of protection. And if you came with a camel, the camel would have to get on its knees to come through the gate. So the idea is that, you know, if you're going to be wealthy, you've got to get like a camel and be humble in order to come into God's kingdom. That's one thing I could say. Another thing I could say is that Jesus only gave these instructions to this man, right? He didn't give them to everybody. So it was just this guy that needed to work on that problem. Except, of course, it's made it into our scriptures, right? So... And it's in Matthew and Mark and Luke. So obviously there's a bigger story here, but we could, we could ignore that and say it's just this guy. He's the only one that has to work on this. So I could make it more comfortable, but should I? Before I answer that question though, I do want to say a word to this man, this man who's referred to as the rich young ruler, wherever you are rich young ruler, I hope you did make it into eternal life, but you know, wherever you are, I want you to hear this. I have some advice for you. If you go to Jesus with a question and Jesus answers your question, then say, thank you, Jesus, and run away. Do not stick around, because if you stick around and say something else, then Jesus is liable to hit you with something, and it's going to be really hard. Why did he stick around? To celebrate his own glory, maybe? But I actually think he stuck around because he knew there was more. There was a hunger in him. There was a haunting in him to stick around. And that prompts Jesus to give him an opportunity. Here in, here in Walmart land, we know, we know the word opportunity, right? We know we, know we are given opportunities sometimes. And what is, what is the opportunity that Jesus puts before this man? I think the opportunity the man is given is the opportunity to be set free. Now, why would I say that? I think it hangs on a verse that's here in Mark that does not appear in Luke or Matthew. And it's the verse that says Jesus looked carefully at the man and loved him. He looked carefully. He saw this man. He saw beyond the externals of his wealth. And looked into his soul and his heart. And saw what he was struggling with. And he knew that this man was possessed by his possessions. And Jesus loved him enough. To say. Get rid of them. And be free. To follow me. The purpose of this series. Bentonville First. First is to create opportunities for the spirit to get in all of us. To maybe haunt us a little, but more than that, to work wonders in and through us. This past Tuesday, we had a webinar in which we um, sat down with 3 nonprofits to learn about the work here in Bentonville. And in the course of that webinar, which you can still watch, you can go to our Facebook page and pull it up, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch it, you can go to E-News and click on the link, you can still watch it there were all kinds of opportunities set before us. And we're going to look a little bit at this clip to just see some of them that were mentioned.
0: We serve only poverty level families, but often you have a family that's right at the edge and they're not making enough to be self-sufficient. And they need a little help. And we want to provide permanent homes. Is people that have maybe a chronic situation or just situational, um, lots of people with children and, um, a lot of people with jobs, but just can't quite make ends meet. Havenwood, we're a transitional housing program. Uh, we serve single moms with one or two children under the age of 10, but the commonality with all of our families is that they have experienced some type of a crisis or trauma that has caused them to have some housing insecurity. With the unemployment income and the stimulus checks, that people had a little bit of a buffer there. And of course, that only lasts so long. So. We kind of expect our numbers to continue to to rise this year. We developed a family support committee, where in the past it had just been a family selection committee for a home, but our program expanded, and the program has now become focused more on sustainability and good mental health and being able to access the resources with a collaboration of organizations in our county. The disadvantage, um, just to echo again, is the cost of living, and mainly that's housing, um, that seems to just take up such a huge chunk of a family's income. That's really difficult, especially once you've established yourself in a place. So your kids are going to school, you know, you've got a job, you're doing well. And then now when when you move out of Havenwood, you can't afford to stay here. So that means your child has to move schools. You have to either get better transportation or potentially change your job Uh, we have more girls right now that do not have uh, vehicles so transportation is super hard you know we don't have buses in Bentonville you can't pay 50 percent of your income for a house and have anything left over for food and medical care and all the other things and insurance for your car and maintenance on your car and so we changed our goals this year to build five houses. We didn't have the money for that. And you know what? God's providing the land. He's providing the money. It It's happening. I'm seeing miracles happen every day that I never thought we'd be able to see.
1: You know, I invited a number of nonprofits to be part of that that webinar. And those are the three that came forward and said they'd be part. And I think the spirit works within that. So that was Havenwood Habitat for Humanity, and our Second Street Pantry, who came forward. And as a result of the conversation that those three had together, we heard some repeated refrains, some of those opportunities. There, there is food insecurity in our community, and it's expected to rise. And then there is a deep problem with affordable housing here, and with transportation to get around. And I see already the spirit at work and moving among our people to think more deeply about those challenges that the city council is having a special session to talk about the challenge of affordable housing. I do not feel like that's a coincidence. I feel like God is at work in that moment. And then last Sunday, to kind of kick this off, we had a mission challenge day. We invited people to come up and, and, and see this um, hear this description of any town USA, which was actually a description of Bentonville, and invite people to, having heard this description, what, what problems would you address here? And two of the three teams chose to address the issue of transportation. And one team went very practical and very immediate and said we could put our 15 passenger vans to work and start driving around and picking people up. And then the other team dreamed big and said let's just get a bus system for Bentonville. And here's what we do. And, you know, Cindy Acre, uh, with Habitat for Humanity closed out those, those clips by dreaming big. She said, you know, we, we always figured we could do one house a year. Why do we do that? Why not five? Dream bigger and bigger things happen. And now she's seeing miracles. And, my friends, the last time I checked, the church is the home of miracles. The church is where miracles happen. The church does the big work of God's dreams. And I'm going to say something that you might think is absolutely crazy. But I'm going to tell you that right now in the United States, the church is the most flexible institution we have in our communities. I don't think we're used to thinking of the church that way. I think we're used to thinking of the church as being stuck and and hampered by tradition. But in reality, when we think about what we can possibly do We don't have the same regulations that government has. We don't have the same regulations that business has. The only regulations we have are the regulations we self impose because of separation of church and state. So we could be a clearinghouse of miracles. There aren't limits. If we if we choose to break down the limits, we can. We can do the big work. We could be a place where our community comes in and says, We need this work done and we need you to get around it. So we can make it happen. And we've got the power of God, so yeah, let's do it. Why don't we dream big? Why don't we dream big? I think we don't because we're overwhelmed by the challenge. But couldn't the challenge start with a step? We don't actually know the end of the man's story in this passage. We know he walked away grieved. But we don't know that he went home and said, you know, that is, that is a big challenge. But Jesus is right. Except if I can't do it all at once, well, I'm going to do this step. And then I'm going to take this step. And then I'm going to take this step. I'm going to share with you why it is that this passage haunts me. And how it was that the haunting of this passage intersected with this nonprofit webinar that we had to challenge me to the next step that I need to take. So I think this passage should haunt every United Methodist pastor. Because it says, get rid of all your stuff and come follow me. And as someone who keeps having to move, I will tell you that this stuff is a burden. When we were leaving from Plano to West Memphis, we were leaving a 3,500-square-foot house going into an 1,800-square-foot parsonage. And as I stood in my front living room with stuff to my waist covering the entire room, plus two other rooms of furniture that I knew we had to get rid of in order to squeeze down to an 1,800-square-foot parsonage, I thought, this is too much stuff. This is a burden. And then we moved into that 1,800-square-foot Parsonage, and there was an entire room we couldn't even go in because it was packed with stuff. And so maybe in reaction to that, when we got the appointment to go to Fort Smith, we bought a house in Hot Springs Village to have to retire to, and we moved half our stuff to Hot Springs Village, and then we got more stuff when we got to Fort Smith. So we had two houses. And then I got appointed to Little Rock, so we were going to live in our Hot Springs Village house, except we don't have room for two houses of stuff in one house So we got a storage unit and so much stuff. Then when I was serving in Little Rock and living in Hot Springs, I was attacked in my home by someone my husband and I trusted. And then my home became a place of trauma. Trauma. And the thing I didn't understand about trauma is if you stay in a place where trauma has occurred, it's easier to be re-traumatized and re-traumatized and re-traumatized. And that's what was happening to me over the course of the next year. And, and it reached the point that I couldn't stay anymore. And so I loaded my car up. One carload of stuff and as I was pulling out I thought I would give this carload and everything I've ever owned to be able to stay with the two people that I love that I'm having to drive away from the stuff didn't protect me from life But as I turned onto the road, I felt the presence of God with me. I felt the peace of God with me. And I felt that presence as I spent two months living in a hotel and four months in a friend's guest room and a week on my mom's couch before I moved into a one-room apartment with one carload of stuff. And I realized that it wasn't just the presence of God that had sustained me, but the people of God had to. Did y'all know you kept a roof over my head? Because I was working for the conference offices, and you were putting money in the plate here, and part of that was going to the conference, and that was paying my salary, and it kept me from starving. The people of God sustained me in a hard time. And, and my friends called me and checked on me and kept make sure that I was safe. I stood on the miracles of God when the stuff didn't hold. Now, I don't believe that God inflicted me with that trauma. That was the choice of another human being. But what God did in the midst of that was sustained me through it. And sustained me through it through you all. It was a small step that was a big miracle. And as I was preparing this sermon and I was remembering my journey, I also remembered in the course of the webinar that Cindy said, You are homeless if you are just moving from place to place, sleeping on people's couches and in their guest rooms. You are homeless. And I remembered Debbie saying, the commonality with these women is that they've had to leave their homes due to trauma, maybe for different reasons between me and them, but I did it too. I was homeless and traumatized. And then I knew. What next step I have to take in my journey is to call Havenwood and sit down with Debbie and share my story with her and say, I, 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 I've been there. And now how do I need to be present With the people who are there now. My friends. God will put before you the next step. You need to take in the big miracle. That God wants you to be part of. God is going to put that forward. When I designed this series with Andrea. That was our hope. Was that you would get that next step. And I do hope that for you all. But apparently God's going to start with me. And I need you all to hold me accountable to that. I need you to not let me chicken out of that next step. So somebody next week asked me, did you call Havenwood and set up that appointment? Hold me to it. What is your next step in God's big dream? What is your next step? We are called to be the people of miracles. We are called to be the dreamers, and we are called to step into the power of God and make those dreams happen. And if you need some inspiration, I'm going to leave you with these words that Cindy shared with us.
0: I want to talk about gratitude. And this is a poem I read. It says, Your terrible job is the dream of the unemployed. Your house is the dream of the homeless. Your smile is the dream of the depressed. Your health is the dream of those who are ill. Don't let difficult times make you forget your blessings. Thanks once again for joining us on The Gathering Podcast. Grace and peace, y'all.